Look, 2020 has been relentless and it's not gonna stop anytime soon. Real issues are not stopping and ideally they shouldn't, but we need to get our minds under control to be able to combat these issues. I know it is hard, but I may have a tip. Enter Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins that are consumable and easy to take on the go. They help out by helping you relax and just chill. And they've become a leading CBD brand for millennials. Last year, Sunday Scaries CBD gummies and CBD oil won top accolades from Forbes, Men's Health, Allure, and Best Products. And right now, you can get 25% off your first order with the code NODUNKS at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com by entering code NODUNKS where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what product might be best for you. Go to sundayscaries.com and use code NODUNKS. Welcome to No Dunks. I'm Tas Mellis. With me as always, the man making the magic happen, JD. Hello. And we are very excited to have on Atlanta Hawks head coach, Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd, thank you so much for taking the time on this holiday weekend. Although, who the heck knows if it's a holiday weekend or not. Thanks, Lloyd. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate it. Uh, You've been doing so much media the last month. I just wanted to thank you for being a voice. You've been a leader here in in Atlanta where we're based. Um, I want to uh, just commend you for that. I'm sure the Hawks are extremely proud of you uh, for what you've done these last six weeks. And we want to have you on because there's some official news that happened this week. The Atlanta Hawks are lending State Farm Arena to be an official polling location for the upcoming November election as well as this upcoming runoff election, which is a good little trial period. So we don't have any of those negative headlines that uh, we had last month. Uh, But State Farm Arena is going to be a location where people can go down and vote. Definitely the biggest location in Georgia, unofficially the biggest location in the U.S. I know you want that to be a model for NBA franchises and other sports franchises as well. You guys have done something tangible. I know the last couple months people are thinking, what the heck can we do? Well, I just wanted to commend you, CEO Steve Coonan, principal owner Tony Ressler, the Hawks organization. You've got to be incredibly proud for taking an idea and making it actionable, making it real. And so we'll, we'll get into the players and them voting and trying to make voting cool if that's, a, if that's possible. But first, I just wanted to commend you on that happening that that is something you got to be extremely proud of yeah um i mean it's obviously you are anytime you get a chance to make something happen of that magnitude um, you have to be excited about it you have to be excited about the possibility for the residents in fulton county and that's the um the real understanding is the arena will be loan and visible and active for Fulton County residents. And, um, you know, you wish you could do it for all of Atlanta, uh, but, you know, you have to abide by the the voting site restrictions and Fulton County will be able to benefit from voting in our arena 
Um, and I think it will be. I don't, I don't think we need to do anything in addition. I think it's a cool experience to go into an arena and, and vote and exercise your right to vote. And, um, you know, I think that in and of itself, and, and like you mentioned, the biggest site in the state of Georgia and, and, and unofficially probably in the country, uh, but that's just a cool experience in and of itself. And we're excited to be a part of that. We're excited to be the first organization to do something like this. Uh, but even more excited that other organizations are now doing it. You're seeing Detroit Pistons have opened up their practice facility and, and they're going to do the same thing. And you're seeing, I believe, Milwaukee uh, has come out and talked about their ability to do so with their arena. Um, and I've talked to and spoken to a, a few other coaches who are inquiring about you know, what were the necessary steps for this to happen. So the interest is there. And I don't know if football teams or college teams or what else may be out there, but uh, the interest to do it is there, which means the interest of helping participate in, uh, in the increase of voters in our country is there, which is the most important thing we can do is how can we help get people to the polls so that they can exercise their right. Yeah, and this has nothing to do with party or partisanship. It's, it has to do with giving people a voice and, and getting out there. And you guys have the youngest team in the NBA. I wonder, these guys, some haven't even voted yet. I'm sure they haven't voted. Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them haven't voted yet. We, we asked the question a few days ago, and uh, more hands came up than anything else in terms of who's actually voted, which is, I think, which is a cool experience. Um, you know, I'm listening to Van Jones speak yesterday and he's saying 2020 will be one of those years. Um, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, we had a pandemic. We have a, a racial pandemic. Um, the presidential election will occur uh, in a couple months here in 2020. And so much history that's gonna come out of this year. So for this to be your first opportunity to vote in 2020, will tie you back to everything else that um, came about in our country, in our world during this year. And I think it's a very memorable um, time for our young guys. So I look forward to assisting them and I look forward to them assisting others get out and vote. Yeah, I can't wait to see what the, the turnout will be for young people who have never thought about voting and never thought about you know putting their name on a ballot and now Trey Young is going to be talking about it. And John Collins is going to be talking about it. Uh, how do you think those guys, not to put you know pressure on them by any means, are, are, are going to react or are going to uh, go forward with, with this initiative? You know, I think like anything, there's, you know, politics, government, things of those nature. If you're not, uh, and myself included, if you're not uh, extremely versed in it, it can be somewhat intimidating. And I think for those guys, it'll be pretty intimidating to just speak about it. Um, but the actual voting process would be, you feel, you feel important, you feel um, significant in the ability that you, you were able to vote for the first time and, and go through that process. And it's not a long process. I think it'll you know, take you 20 to 30 minutes to get through and then, you know, go through the ballot, go through the line, go through everything. Hope so. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, crossed. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think, um, I think experiencing that for the first time and, and being able to say I voted, that's 
statements. But some people don't understand how powerful that statement is. And to put that sticker on, I put that sticker on with pride every time. Um, you know, it's almost emotional sometimes to think of people fighting for that right, for you to have the right to vote. And to be able to say, I did vote proudly is, is pretty pretty impressive, pretty remarkable. And I think it will be a great feeling for those guys once they do it. Yeah, and down there at State Farm Arena, it's a giant arena. Uh, it, it, I think it should be the model for other NBA franchises and other even NFL franchises, as you said, hopefully other sports franchises. You have meetings every Monday with other coaches, and you guys have talked about it. Has there been any um, desire from other coaches? Uh, has has have they been into it? Have have they've been asking questions, as you said, or is Greg Popovich just sipping wine and not paying attention to you while while you talk about it? No, I mean it's it's um, it's almost uh, you know I think there's a five minute period before the meeting starts where everybody's logging on to Zoom and you know checking each other's backgrounds out, you know, <laughs> seeing Coach Casey on his porch in Detroit with sunshine out, you know, guys will, will give them something, asking Monty Williams how hot it is in Phoenix. <laughs> um, and then it just gets serious. It gets it gets right, right. you know, we get right to it um, to not waste anyone's time. Once, you know, we don't start the meeting until we have confirmed attendance from everyone. Um, and if someone isn't there, they usually let us know ahead of time. But uh, we try not to start so no one misses any of the information. Um, you know, and it goes from joking around to very somber and everyone's sitting there waiting I, I, idle for about two to three minutes. And then we start and uh, it's all business, uh, um, you know, to get 30 head coaches on a, on a Zoom call and it's all business. Uh, it's pretty powerful because you can see everyone taking notes and you can see everyone locked into their screens and you can see everyone is really, um, you know, really remove themselves from any distraction during that hour, that hour and a half, whatever we end up doing. And, and again, every coach has been committed to um, trying to figure out things to do in their community. They're trying to uh, offer advice, but they're, they're more importantly, they're all listening. They're all listening to our speakers. They're all listening to the agenda. They're all listening to the ideas that we have. And they're all focused on making sure they do their part. And I think that's been, uh, I think that's been the power of our group is the unity and the commitment. And I know that's been your message uh, the last couple months, that word, listen. Uh, listen to what the heck's going on around you and then um, you know, make something happen around you. As far as your players go, like you said, youngest team in the association. I know it's it's a lot on their shoulders, and I'm, I'm sure they're listening. I'm sure they're trying to get involved. Have you found some of your players have been able to find their voice? How do you think they've evolved the last uh, the last couple months? You know, I think they're all learning how to do so. Um, you know, I think part of finding your voice is just uh, just showing up and. You know, when I spoke at the March in Georgia, uh, I had five guys show up and participate in a protest and march um, down the street to the Capitol building. You know, that's that in and of itself, uh, even for myself, you know, I'm not out protesting all the time. But those, th those events are new uh, to, to take part 
and you do find your voice because you can now you can tell a story about it. And part of discovering your voice is having information and something to talk about. Well, they now have something to talk about. You know, Trey participated in a, in a march in, in Oklahoma. You know, I had John and, and, and Kevin Herter and Vince and Bruno and, and Damian Jones come out to the march here. Um, and you're seeing a couple of them really speak about getting involved with the voting process and helping, helping people register to vote. And so I, I just think, you know, once they actually do some of these things, you know, part of it is just showing up and, and um, figuring out what's going on and, and wanting to be a part of it, but not just jumping out there. You, know, you, know, you don't just jump out there and say, hey, give me the megaphone. If you don't have anything to say, you know, <laughs> it's a little unnerving as well. But uh, I think they are. I think this is a, I think this whole time period away from basketball is is really helping them find their voice and really, you know, find out what's essential, what's important in life, because uh, so many things have been taken away from us. And so their voice is powerful now because um, when you're on the sideline, you're trying to figure out how to get back in. You got to speak up. You got to say something. You got to do something. And, and right now we're all kind of on the sideline trying to figure out what's important. What, what am I able to do? Why do I have to wear a mask? Can I travel? Um, you know, who should I vote for? All these things are real life situations for us all right now. And um, it's forcing me to, to be educated and to learn more. And I think it's forcing them to do so as well. So I'm encouraged. Uh, and I think this is, a, this is a very significant time in their lives as 21, 22, 23 year olds to know what's going on. And then when we resume normalcy, whenever that is, um, not take it for granted because they've used their voice and they found their voice. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Herter. He was uh, one of the guys who, who came to the protest with you. He said that was his first protest that he's been to. Uh, he's the one white player on your team. He's shown an incredible amount of vulnerability and openness when I've seen him in, in doing his media. I bring him up because we're a bunch of white guys who do this show and we, you know, we're trying to be allies as well. And, and I just, I, I want to just highlight him for a second and ask how he sort of adapted, how he's doing, uh, because I think it can relate to a lot of people listening. How has Kevin Herter uh, dealt with or evolved in, in this situation? You know, he, he was, he's been tremendous and he and I had a conversation after the, after the, the march and I, I told him i said man i applaud you because uh you are the one white player we have in a very predominantly african-american city and african-american team and african-american league and you know to, to show up to be on that stage with all of us as the only white player there's a couple white coaches um but i think you know, to, to, for him to admit like, wow, I've never marched. I've never even seen a protest like this. And, but uh, to understand why the march and the protest. And I think that's where Kevin's true strength comes in is he understands. He, he has a greater understanding and a greater insight as to what's going on with regards to racism in our country and um, how it may not have ever affected him, uh, but he's understanding how he could have benefited from the other side of it and how he's now seeing there's a difference in how certain people have grown up, how black, uh, his black teammates, black friends have grown up that are different than, than him. 
and not just neighborhood and friends and, you know, demographic, but just kind of the mental, emotional, and psychological effects of it as well. Um, and I think he, I think he truly gets that. I think he's trying to be more educated and aware about it, but he, he joined a, uh, he joined a zoom meeting that coach Quinn and I of the, of the Falcons that, and coach, uh, Colin from the dream. We, we did a zoom call with some high school athletes and parents and, um, you know, whoever else wanted to join and L Duncan was, was the moderator and we had three Falcon players and we had Kevin Herter on and, you know, Kevin spoke about, you know, understanding, you know, that, that this is different for him to be the minority, to try and find his voice, but also to use his voice. And I think that that understanding that reality is uh, what's making him, which is going to make him uh, truly mature in this, in this area, but also as a person, I think just having a better sense. And this is some of the things that, you know, team sport you benefit from you you get to interact with different people in different backgrounds but i don't know how many people actually dive into it i think now he's actually diving into the understanding that that you know there's some different ways of life for a lot of people and he's learning kind of in a crash course right now before we get to a little basketball talk um how has this been for you how is just i i know it's uh been a whirlwind i'm sure but overall How's this been for Coach Pierce? Um, you know, busy. It's it's been extremely busy, and I think um, you know, I think I think understanding what a head coach, what that position entails, when you truly understand it, um, you know, this isn't the busy part. Doesn't bother me at all. Uh, you expect to be, you expect to be, you know, for me on my on the normal part of the job you know, watching film, you know, basically writing, writing uh, speeches. You got to speak to your team every day and, and knowing what you want to say, uh, being able to address ownership, being able to address the media, um, being able to, you know, manage your staff. You know, that's, that's the busy work. And then you, you carry the burden of what they feel, how they feel, what's going on. You carry the burden of everybody, your staff, your players. So you're always busy in different ways. And, even if you're not actively busy, your mind is busy. Um, you're always, I'm always thinking and, and working and trying to figure stuff out. And so this is just another layer of it. You know, my mind is constantly working. What can I do? How can I help? Who can I connect with? Who can I learn from? Um, what to say? Um, but I think more importantly, as a, as a black man, this is, um, as a black man that actually has access and privilege to, you know, lots of resources and people and connections and things of that nature um, and passionate about what's going on. This is a very pivotal time for me uh, in my career and in my life, more importantly, to um, really understand the role I play in, um, truly caring about other people and you say that and you do that as a coach and you do that for your community. But I think this is, this is deeper than, you know, you talked about making something tangible with the arena. I think the stuff that's not as tangible is more important when it talks to uh, racial injustices, you know, some of the things we aren't going to see, some of the things aren't going to show up as a, you know, a headline. Some of the things are just trying to deal with the ideologies and the mentalities and, 
the systemic side, it, we're not going to see that. You're not going to be able to write about those things. They're just going to have to happen because we keep the conversation going. And uh, you're changing opinions, you're changing beliefs, you're changing thoughts, um, and you're part of that. So that's a long, long, long lasting and sustainable issue that we hope remains that way. But that's more important to me. And, and in this position that I have, um, I've got to stay focused on that. And, and, and what I've learned is that it can't change. It won't change. Like this is, I've jumped in the moment and jumped in the movement, jumped in the fight and um, I'm not jumping out. It just, it, it, that part won't happen. I won't be a coach for, for my entire life. Uh, I'll be black my entire life and I'll be in this fight my entire life. I know that we can sort of get bombarded by all the negative events that are happening because there are a lot of negative events that are happening. But I think sometimes if you, you dig in and, and you actually look, there are some positives that are happening out there. Uh, Maya Moore, the GOAT Maya Moore, bringing Jonathan Irons out of a Missouri prison where he was wrongfully convicted after 22 years. You've got uh, the state of Mississippi taking off the portions of its Confederate flag. Uh, little things like that, which are obviously very large thing and more symbolic things, um, are happening out there. And I, like you said, it's it's not so much those tangible things, but you know our day to day, our our relationships with people that will over time, hopefully, um, change the way we you know, deal with each other. Is there something that you and the Hawks are looking at doing? sort of in, in the future as a process? Is there is there something else that's on the, the horizon for you guys to sort of to move towards? I know it's a it's a big ask. It's a big question. But is there something else that you're you're looking at as well? Well, we meet regularly. Um, you know, there's, there's a small group within the organization that's kind of tasked with um, the overall, as you're talking about, the big picture of what we can do moving forward and you know and i remind everyone in the group to listen and to really sit back and listen because that's going to steer us in the right direction in terms of what can we do what 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 should we, we're not going to be able to solve everything or do everything um and i i think finding the solution isn't the the real task it's just being a part of our community and helping our community the best way that we can best way that we feel that we can and you know our, our principal governor tony wrestler is you know he's a finance guy and he's he's been that way his whole career and he's been very adamant with our players of helping them manage their money and have an understanding of what managing their money is and so his commitment his passion uh, when it comes to racial injustice uh, one sector he's very much committed to and focused on is economic empowerment um, for the african-american community and uh, we've we've had discussions on um, what does that look like here in the city of Atlanta? How do we empower um, small business owners? How do we empower African-American business owners, minority business owners? Uh, how do we create an opportunity for them to, uh, to learn to be sustainable here in this city um, that is over 50% African-American? How do we create um, an environment that they can thrive in from a business standpoint? and create future generations of business leaders and entrepreneurs. So, you know, that, that economic empowerment area is, is very much a focus. You know, I've spoken about 
you know, everything that every sports team does is they go out into the community and they build courts and they do, you know, programs and after school programs and they do mini camps and things of that nature. We, we are in constant communication with our communities from a basketball standpoint. And so with that, it's also an opportunity for us to educate. You know, when we go out there, there's ways that we can educate them on the history of our country, properly educate uh, our communities on the history of our country and uh, change, start changing the ideologies and the myths about, you know, um, equality in our country and, and really address it from a standpoint of, of what the troops are and, and why, you know, we continue to see protests and brutality and then and then talk about how we can move in a different direction. Um, so we're, we're figuring out ways that while we're connecting with our community, we can educate and build trust. Uh, while we're here in the city of Atlanta, we can uh, focus on economic empowerment. Um, and then, you know, it's just, we'll get to law enforcement and policy and things of that nature. You know, there's a big political um, tone involved when you start going there. And that's, you know, as, as most people, it's not, it's not our direction as a government or as an organization to, to, to just go straight to government. You know, it's, you know, it, the voting has nothing to do, as you talked about, with, with, it's not a partisan thing for us. It's just our right. We have a right to vote. We want to help everyone else with the right to vote. Um, are there things that we feel we should address uh, from a government political standpoint? Yeah, all of us do. But as an organization, you know, we really want to focus on what we think, you know, we can commit ourselves to doing, um, which is what we're already doing. We're already trying to, you know, invest in, you know, Tony's been great about investing in, uh, in small businesses and other and trying to help others economically empower themselves. And we do everything we can to connect with our fans and our community. So uh, really trying to stay uh, as committed to those efforts as we can and try and enhance them. Uh, and I want to just get something right. You called uh, Tony Russell principal governor. Is that the the term? Are we moving away? Getting... It's always it's it's always it, you know board of governors meeting is um, the the actual term is governor. It's it's a, they have a board of governors meeting that that hasn't that's always been the same. Um, you know I I learned that <laughs> when right. you uh, when you when you interview and you go through the process and. Um, you know, every team has to have a principal governor, which is kind of your ma majority owner. And then, you you know, they say minority owners or uh, have a stake of ownership in the team. Um, but the, there's always one principal governor that has the biggest stake in the team. Uh, every team has that. And so when they when they meet with the you know, when when the when the uh, majority owner meets, you know, it's it's the governor's meeting board of governors meeting is what they call it. It's always been that. It may sound as if there's some sort of shift or whatever. No, that's mm -hmm. it's always been that way. Coach Pierce, keeping me straight here. Um, <laughs> uh, let's get a little bit to the uh, the basketball side of things because there's some news yesterday, rumor that there will be a second bubble for teams who aren't participating in Orlando, the eight teams that aren't headed down there, potentially going to have a bubble in Chicago in September would the Hawks be interested in doing that from, I know it's, it's really early and there's definitely no concrete plans on that, but just as an idea, what do you think? Well, we've been fighting for an opportunity to work out and play all along. Um, I think the challenge when you have so much commitment and focus on Orlando, 
um, you know, it's been hard for the NBA to, to really shift over and say, hey, what about the other? You know, all along, I've, I've felt all 30 teams should have gone to Orlando and we could have figured it out in that manner. But that wasn't the direction. And so since that happened, we've been, I know as, as an organization, we've been trying to get as much um, access granted for us to, to train and to work out as a team, similar to what everyone else is doing in Orlando. Um, you know, we just felt that that would be a competitive disadvantage for us moving into the next season to not have anything approved for us to work out. So we want to play. Our guys want to play. Uh, we understand if they're going to play, we need to get them in shape and get them organized in terms of, uh, you know, their body and their mind. You just can't sit down for four months and then just show up and play. Uh, I think the timeline is a little off. I think um, – I think if this were to happen, I think it's actually prior to September, not starting in September. Um, a lot of the reports are saying it would start in September. Uh, it's been reported to us that if it were to happen, you know, we, we would we would need to be done by September. So, um, so we've been fighting for it. We understand, you know, it's been hard. Our guys have been have been as committed as they can be, and I'm not gonna overstated. I think our guys have done a tremendous job of coming into our facility and doing the, the workouts on the minimum restrictions that we have. And, uh, you know, John Collins has been in literally every day for the past six weeks. Um, you know, Kevin Herter has been in, Bruno has been in, um, Cam and, and DeAndre have been in. The guys that are here in the city of Atlanta have been here, you know, constantly working out and really trying to get after it, but it's limited. You know, we can't play five on five or three on three or any of that. Can't even have two, two guys in the same workout. So we're dying to play and we will participate, um, you know, in, in whatever capacity they give us. But uh, I think there's still a lot of hurdles in this before it actually gets approved or even moved to the next phase. We don't have a lot of information. We just know it's Chicago. We know the hotel, we know the gym. And we kind of have a general guideline of what that would look like right now. All right. Uh, a little on-court stuff. You mentioned John Collins. Uh, he'd play uh, next year, primarily at the four with Clint Capella coming in and, and being your five. I know hearing you talking about John Collins, you're pumped for him um, being at the at the four. What are you going to ask of him on both ends to be a, a successful power forward in this league? Uh, find ways to win. Done. <laughs> help us win help us win games you know be you do you help us win games is clint that... do you be you help <laughs> us win games is that is is clint being at the five gonna help john collins defensively at all is that is that i think clint being on the court is going to help us defensively and, and you know i think a lot of times people this this game this sport isn't one-on-one and so, um, you know, if our team defense isn't there, if our team offense isn't there, then we're not going to succeed. Um, you know, Trey averaged 30. We won 20 games. You know, it, it, it's not a knock on Trey. It's not like, you know, other guys need to do more. Or Trey is doing Trey, – Trey is great. That's what makes him great. He's got an ability to do that. But – you know, we, we need all five guys to be to be great. And then we need all five guys to be great on the defensive end as well. That That's that's really what it's about. Everything else is just a, a step in the right direction. Or um, so when when Clint steps on the court, um, 
you know, there's areas that uh, he will address for us, but I think there's areas that will help him impact what we do. He, he is a great, great rebounder. Um, he does have a defensive pre presence protecting at the rim. And um, that's going to help all of us. That's going to help on penetration. When, when teams try and score at the rim, he's there. Um, that's going to help when we do a great possession and the shot goes up. We don't have to worry about second chance opportunities. we got a great rebounder down there. And, and John will be a part of that with him. And I think uh, John's growth will be a result of the tandem he and Clint bring on the court together. Uh, last question I'll ask you. Um, Basketball-wise, what do you uh, what do you want from Trey Young? I know it's a, a lot to to sort of navigate during this time, but what do you think Trey should be gearing himself up for for next year, year number three for him? Find ways to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that's what it's that's what it's about. You know, it's um, you know, as a team, you you, you find ways to win, and and I, and I don't want to. I don't want to restrict it. That's why the answer is that way. You know, I don't want to say he needs to be better off the ball or he needs to do this or, you know, he needs to cut his turnovers down. Trey, Trey shows us he's capable of doing a lot. You know, the one thing that we have to do is find ways to win. And so, you know, maybe it's do less, maybe it's do more. We'll figure that part out, but the whatever it is should be should contribute to winning. And um, that's the uh, that's the that's the puzzle side of it. You're trying to put all the pieces together so that you can complete it. And, and our completion will, will ultimately come down to winning more games. And uh, we're going to have new and different pieces. Clint Clint is, as you're asking, Clint is a big piece of what we're going to do. And so how do he and John coexist? How do they work when they're not on the court together? Um, but how do we maximize a new player? Uh, such as Clint and what he brings. And, you know, we got a couple spots at the free agent that we don't know who they are right now, but as we're going after them, we're hoping they're going to be contributors. How do we maximize what those free agents will look like? Uh, so I, I think it is, it's, it's about figuring out what it takes to win because it's not just going to be the same guys we saw last year. We, the reason why we're getting better is we're adding pieces that are going to help us. We got to be able to incorporate them. Yeah, I can't lie. Being here in Atlanta, I'm looking forward to uh, how this young team coalesces, how it how it all comes together as uh, as the years go on. Because it's uh, obviously a ton of uh, talent and um, a bunch of young dudes. So looking forward to uh, young is no excuse. No, 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 sir. That's a that's a good way to put it. We're moving out of that that room. We we love that they're young because that means we've got a lot of time with them. Uh, but expectations for them to grow and, and to be better. Uh, that's the reality. And, and they want it. They want to, they want to be, uh, they want to be included. They want to be included in the conversation about, you know, who's that team or well, we are that team. So we can't, we can't say we're that team that's going to make this jump. We're that team that's going to be and then say, but we're young still, or, you know, th th that's over with. All right, looking forward to that. Uh, I will let you go, Coach. Any plans for this long weekend here in, uh, in Georgia? Yeah, hopefully rest. <laughs> hopefully we get some sunshine and my little daughter can go out in the pool and uh, we can maximize that. That's the plan. I uh, appreciate it, Coach. You have been busy on, uh, on social media. I've ca caught you on, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Coach Pierce 
And for the uh, rest of the No Dunks crew, I'm Tas Mellis. We'll be back Monday with the latest NBA news. Enjoy the holiday weekend safely. Safely.